Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday, April 25th, 2021, the fourth Sunday of Easter. Thank you for listening this week, and if you would like to view the service in its entirety, please go to our Facebook or YouTube pages by following one of the links in the podcast notes. Be sure to like or subscribe to our Facebook, YouTube page, and this podcast as well. Also, we would like to invite you to support our ministry here at Beach Grove through your offerings. We have both online and physical giving opportunities, and we encourage you to reach out to us if you have any questions about giving. Our contact information is also in the podcast notes. We hope you enjoy this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. This week's scripture reading comes from the epistle of 1 John, chapter 3, verses 16 through 24. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother and sister in need and yet refuses to help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this, we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God and we receive from him whatever we ask because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we, sh- that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. All who, have, all who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this, we know that he abides in us, by the spirit that he has given us. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Truly, we are thankful for God. Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that through your word for us this day, you would speak to and through us, that we would grow in your grace and in your love. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You know, there is just something about the 16th verse of the third chapter of a book that is attributed to a man named John. The one from the gospel is probably one of the most well-known verses in the world. Many children learn it, and it is often one of the first Bible verses they have committed to memory. Whether it is on a sign at a sporting event or it is plastered on a bumper sticker on our car, John 3.16 is so recognizable. However, I think, and this is Pastor Andrew's opinion for just a second, that 1 John 3.16 is just about as important as John 3.16 when we begin to think about the context of our eternal salvation and sanctification. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. I can think of no greater beginning to the story of the gospel than to echo this verse. Within this verse and the verses that surround it, 
is the basis for how we live our lives as Christians. If John 3.16 introduces us to Jesus, then 1 John 3.16 reaffirms reaffirms the reason that Jesus is so important to us and thereby what it means to live in the image of God. It boils down to love, a word present in both of these passages. And so this Easter season, we are unpacking this idea of God's love and grace, namely this process that we as Methodists call sanctification. This may sound like a big word, but sanctification is a a churchy term that we use for this process or this journey that we embark on in our Christian faith. And in unpacking this understanding we are looking at what it means to be a perfect Christian. What does it mean to be a perfect Christian? Our lives as Christians are not staked on the date in which we are saved. Though many of us may have this date and even time committed to memory, it is what happens after that date and time that define us as Christians. We must constantly be learning and growing in God's grace and love. And it begins with this idea of understanding what is love. You see, in the last two weeks of this series, we have been introduced to our relationship with God. And then our relationship with the world. We began first by looking at this matter and means of justification. How are we brought into this relationship with God? What does it mean to enter into covenant with God, with this God who has loved us since before we were born? We are invited to recognize this nature, God's grace always there, something that we Methodists call provenient grace. This humbling nature of God's grace is what draws us to recognize and to desire and to be in relationship with God. When we wrestle with this nature, when we enter this relationship with God, we recognize the weight of what is known as sin in our lives. These things in our life that separate us from God, that we put in the way of our relationship with God. A manner of separation caused by guilt, caused by lack of reconciliation. We are reminded even in our sin, though, of God's present nature, God's present love and grace in our lives. And the sin that separates us from God is also what leads us to then grow in our faith as we seek this nature of redemption and reconciliation. And this entire backdrop, this backdrop of relationship with God, this backdrop of sin, this backdrop of separation is all in the name of understanding God's love more. A love that sometimes I feel like we misunderstand because so often we try to define it in terms of what we think of as love. A lot of times when we hear the word love, we think of the love between, a spou- between spouses, love between family, love even between friends. But every one of these love types of love, I feel like they missed the fullness of what love is supposed to be. 
the love that God has for us and the love that we are called to express to the world. Yes, there is a nature in which God's love is a familial love, a friendship love, even a romantic love, but they don't quite capture the fullness. We have conditioned ourselves to sometimes think that love is conditional based off of the relationship we have with someone. But when we look at Scripture, God's love The love that we hear about from Jesus Christ is unconditional. It doesn't look at a relationship between two persons, but it just looks at the person and desires to love them. Look here at what John tells us in verses 23 and 24. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Even before this, John notes that our hearts, our hearts are what condemn us. We condemn ourselves, not God. We condemn ourselves when we fail to uphold the nature that God calls us to love one another. Next week, we're going to dive further into the nature in which God loves us. We're going we're to look at that nature of prevenient grace, and we're going to look at how God is always there. But this week, I want to unpack this nature of love. What is love? To define it, to unpack it, and to show that love in a world that seems to be filled with so much hatred and division, what does it look like? Well, a good go-to that pastors often have is, is we often go to the Greek because in the Greek, there are several different words that we translate into our English language as love, which makes things even more fun as we read our scriptures. One of the scriptures that I like to go to to talk about these differences is that, that scripture text where Jesus is talking with Peter and, and Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, well, of course I love you. And, Peter's like, and John, Jesus is like, but Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, of course, Lord, you know I love you. And at this point in time, we're all just frustrated, as frustrated as Jesus is. And Jesus asked Peter a third time, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But here's the thing that we don't see when we look in our English translations of the Bible. Jesus and Peter are using two different words. Jesus and Peter are using two different words. Jesus asked Peter if Peter loves him with this word agape. And Peter responds, Lord, you love takes many different forms in the life of humanity. And when we look at, at the Greek, it, it helps us to unpack and to understand what love can look like. You have Filio love, that, that word that Peter used that talks about this, this friendly kind of love, this, this, this brotherly kind of love. Think, think Philadelphia, right? The city of brotherly love. You have this eros love, which is a more intimate sexual love, the love between two partners. You have storge, which is a familial type of love. Think the love a parent has for a child or siblings have for one another. And then you have this agape kind of love. 
And this one, this one is the toughest to nail down because it doesn't play by any specific relationship. Whereas some of these other types of love I have mentioned are determinant based on the person you're in relationship with, agape love looks at what the person who is loving can give to the other person no matter who they are. Now let me be clear, every single one of these words that the Greeks use for love can, can define our relationship with God. But most notably here in John, John wants us to look at this unconditional love. Agape. Agape becomes this love that Jesus focuses on in his ministry. Agape love is unconditional and it's sacrificial. And it's going to put us at great risk. And, and you know what? It's going to even make us uncomfortable. You know, it could even lead to us feeling harmed physically, emotionally, sometimes even spiritually. But that cannot and should not diminish how we show it to the world. John tells us, let little, let, sorry, John tells us, little children, let us love not in word and speech, but in truth and action. This nature of agape love requires action, requires activity. It requires us to do something. It requires us to do something that is true to the Spirit of God. And that is the nature in which this commandment is lived out. When we are comfortable, sometimes this love does not truly make itself known. When we are comfortable with agape love, it is expressed naturally in our lives. I can sacrificially love my wife, my, my children, my friends, but it is a lot different when I have to sacrifice to love a neighbor who I don't know, who I don't agree with, who doesn't think or act like me, who demeans me, who mocks me, who tries to break me down. But God calls me to still love those people. You know why? Because love is meant to be difficult. Love in any relationship is difficult. It requires work for me to, to, to have a good marriage. It requires work for me to have good friendships. And I think the reason that we work on those loves is because we genuinely do love the people that we love. But you know, this agape love, this, this neighborly love, this love of, of everyone who, who lives on the face of this earth is difficult because sometimes there are people we don't want to love. Do we love our neighbor? Are we condemning our hearts by not loving others in creation as God has called us to love? Do we love our neighbor to the fullest extent of who God calls us to be? Do we recognize the hurt and pain in those around us? Do we recognize that even when we may not agree that we love our neighbor? Do we love our neighbor? Our black neighbor, our Asian neighbor, our immigrant neighbor, 
our LGBT neighbor, our neighbor who thinks and believes different than us, our atheist neighbor, our Muslim, Jewish, Hindu neighbor? Or do we only love those who look like us, act like us, think like us, behave like us, follow our restrictive and exclusive rules? Love does not see qualifiers. Love only sees God. And love sees who God calls us to be unconditionally and sacrificially. If we see our neighbors in need, we help them. That's what John's telling us here. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they need. If I see a car wreck, I run in and I help them. If I see a person on the corner of the street hungry and thirsty, I help them. I don't ask who they are. I don't ask what they believe in. I help them. That is sacrificial, unconditional giving love. We as Christians try to do a good job of defining who is worthy and unworthy of God's love. We have come to define rules, guidelines, and have excluded people from the very basic nature. How will people ever understand who God is if we continue to demean, judge, and condemn them? Consider that verse. Consider 1 John 3.16. We know love by this, that he, that is Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. And you know, as with any John 3.16, it helps us to look at verse 17. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and refuses to help? As people who just walked through the events of Holy Week and wrestled with the example of love present in Jesus, offering himself to death on a cross, we are reminded again of the nature in which the example of Christ is an example of love that is given to the point of death. So we know love by the way in which Christ offered himself. So too does our sense of love for our neighbor seek to offer love even when it may seem difficult. Sometimes even when our lives may seem threatened. And yes, I know this is, this is difficult. And it seems like a lot. But this is a concept that we are called to be people of God. When we become uncomfortable, when we feel our sense of security threatened, we, we fight back. It's a natural human instinct. It's present all over. We hear it all the time when, when we feel our sense of safety and security attacked. Our response is to fight back rather than to love the way in which we are called to love. Humanity has never done well with sacrifice. They've done well as conquerors, colonizers, perpetuators of violence. And when they feel their power threatened, they cry foul. When they hear the shouts of oppression, they throw aside their sacrificial love of lifting up the lowly 
and instead try to consolidate their power. How long do we hear the cries of the needy and try to drown them out by claiming that we are the ones being attacked? How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother and sister in need and yet refuses to help? Friends, we hear the cry of the needy, and how are we responding to God? I want to leave you with this excerpt from John Wesley's sermon called The Marks of the New Birth. The necessary fruit of this love of God is the love of our neighbor, of every soul which God hath made, not accepting our enemies, not accepting those who are now despitefully using and persecuting us. A love whereby we love every man as ourselves, as we love our own souls. Nay, our Lord has expressed it, still more strongly teaching us to love one another even as thou hast loved. Accordingly, the commandment written in the hearts of all those that love God is no other than this. As I have loved you, so love ye one another. Are we willing to love like this? Or are we going to put conditions on our love? It's not going to be an easy task. This inward, re- this inward reflection, it's going to highlight a lot of our own privilege that we have experienced, not just individually, but by those who have come before us. It will involve uncovering wrongs that we have sought to bury for decades and centuries. And it means that we must be the bigger generation and offer healing for pains committed not just now, but long ago. It means learning how we can be better and more loving to our neighbors. It is being called out. When we are the ones who are trying to perpetuate the hatred and judgment, and seeking to change the nature in which we love our neighbor, it is embodying this agape love, this neighborly, unconditional, self-sacrificing love. A love that is not conditional on the other party, even reciprocating, but a love that seeks to offer what in true practice can never be returned. And unless we learn to truly embody this love, we are missing out on a major, huge aspect of God's kingdom. This is the very nature in which we embody God's spirit. How are you loving your neighbor in an unconditional, self-sacrificing ways every day? Amen.